Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back to PHLY Sixers post game show. Derek Bonner joined this time by Kyle Newbeck. How you doing, Kyle? One day Derek is going to figure out how our studio works, but Look. everybody who's here, seven straight victories for the Philadelphia 76ers. We are live and in studio in a more pleasant mood than Derek and I were in watching the first quarter yeah. of that basketball game tonight, which that I'm... was a struggle. And you know, <laughs> even when you know, it came back, I think it was what an eight point deficit there at the half. And you said, you're going to have to talk about a win, but it's going to be a very frustrating win. And then Tyrese Maxey came out, had an incredible second half. Joel Embiid sort of refound himself. They even, D'Anthony Melton even made a three. Uh, they sort of got their three, I think they were at 1.5 for 18 from three-point range. They ended up making a couple to help push it toward, uh, towards the end of the third and extend the lead. They got the free throw line a lot. They got a lot of extra possessions, and they ended up with a pretty easy win going away. Uh, I think the star certainly was, uh, I mean, and Mike Muscala. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who we already every, got a Mike Muscala shout out in the chat. I feel like into the show. every day, because I, I said this on Twitter <laughs> the other day, the crazy thing about that is it's just something they had no control over. You're just sitting there in your living room, watching a couple of meaningless, completely. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We all know. This, and the by the way, I just want to say for all the grief that the Sixers took for tanking and obviously Oklahoma city tanked, they're doing their own version of the process, essentially. They played to win that game despite the fact that they had all the incentive to just punt it away yeah. and lose. And so the Sixer, it was Sam Presti, notably, was a Sam Hinkie defender yeah. in the dark days of the process. So I think it was like a karmic full circle moment for Mike Muscala and the Oklahoma City Thunder to help the Sixers get Tyrese Maxey in a real roundabout way. Yeah, no, when they were trying to uh, have lottery reform, Presti was a real big backer. That was one of their first real allies. Uh, and Tyrese Maxey is incredible for so many reasons. Part of it is the lore of how he got on this team. It's Being crazy. a remnant of the Markel Fultz trade, really that pick, that top 20 protected first round pick that eventually turned into, into Tyrese Maxey was just kind of like a throw-in 
Uh, it is a wild turn of events, and it really just completely changed the course of the franchise, which I'm sure we'll talk about a whole lot here over the months ahead. He ended up with 29 points, 11 assists, uh, and is that the, yeah, that's different than the ESPN box had. All right, I'll have to look into that. 29 points, 11 assists, three steals, six rebounds, zero turnovers. That's the second time this season he has had uh, 10 plus assists and zero turnovers on the season. And there's only one other only guy. Only one other done guy it. done in the entire NBA. Chris Paul did it once. Nobody else has done it. Maxi's done it twice here. Uh, it really, and I think there are some games where he's passing. You might he might rack up assists because he has a ball a lot because he draws a lot of attention. I thought he had a real good floor general game. I thought he had some real creative passes here. Maybe that you wouldn't have seen in the past. Including a couple, Derek, not to interrupt your flow right now, that he didn't get yeah. rewarded for. The he one to a, Kelly specifically. He yeah. had a great skip pass yep. to the corner to Kelly Oubre that when we're talking about playmaking growth, that's the stuff we want to see. So I don't give a damn that Kelly Oubre missed that shot. Yep. Seeing him making those plays on top of everything else he did is like, this dude is coming. And really, I mean, it's 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 we can sit here and nitpick, and there are going to be bad, you know, games against bad teams in the middle of November. It's just what happens, especially coming off of a big emotional win over the Boston Celtics. You expected that there was a chance there would be a letdown. And watching that first half, Joel Embiid was certain, <laughs> certainly, certainly letting was. me down. And you could just see it like this was a game. They might end up being able to win, but they would sleepwalk through. Prior years, maybe prior iterations of this team, prior iterations of Tyrese Maxey, that would almost be the story that we would be talking about. But because he has been so good here to start, because he has been so consistent game to game, because it's so easy now, you know, we spent so much of the September portion of this show when we were looking for topics to talk about, going, can you imagine if Tyrese Maxey makes that step? Can you imagine if Tyrese Maxey turns into a point guard? Can you imagine if Tyrese Maxey turns into somebody that you trust to be your primary initiator on the perimeter? How much easier that would make team building? How much easier it would be to envision them being able to make a trade or make a signing to get a third star to compliment them rather than trying to find that primary creator. And look, I feel like we said this about the Wizards. It's true about the Pistons as well. They stink. I think that's their seventh <laughs> loss in a row, maybe. They um, have talent, but it's a just lot of a, it's on the shelf. Yeah. The rest of it is young. They are not a good team. You can really see that. You know, you look it up. They actually have like a reasonable, like 18th in offense, 17th in defense. It doesn't look so bad. They are the second worst at turning the ball over in the league. They are third worst at forcing turnovers. So they tend to lose the possession battle a lot and they foul the most in the league. And you saw all of that come to a head here tonight. You know, Sixers got the free throw line 41 times. Uh, the Pistons had how many turnovers? 16 turnovers to just eight for the Sixers. All that materialized. I don't even really care because this isn't about the game. Tyrese Maxey's playing incredible ball. This is the most fired up Derek's ever been on this podcast that I can recall. Just shooting right from the hip, six straight minutes of pure uncut Bodner. And I think rightfully so. I think what I'm focused on right now is like they've been so good. And as soon as the James Harden trade is made, we all start putting the pieces together. All the conversations we had in the days after that trade, Derek, was, you know, what kind of creator can they get? Does Zach Levine make sense? OG, uh, uh, Lowry Markinen, who's more of an off-ball guy, and all all these conversations about who's going to be the guy and who they're going to chase. Well, right now it seems to be becoming clear the number two guy on this team is and will be Tyrese Maxey. 
The yeah. way he is playing right now, and frankly, the way he's persevering through tough stretches, because that was not a 48-minute masterclass, right? No. I think the first half of that game, he's leaning too much on the floater. Yeah. He steps out of some open threes. He didn't really have his his rhythm quite yet. But notably, and I wrote this in the recap I put up at all PHLY, he got to the free throw line a bunch, and he's sustaining himself a little bit there. And he's in some lineups that maybe didn't work that Nick Nurse goes away from in the second half. And then when that fourth quarter opens up, and that used to be last season, that was the James Harden stretch, right? It was him and George Niang and some of these other guys on the bench. And James would carry that group until Joel comes back and Joel comes back for the finishing kick. Well, now that's Tyrese Maxey time. He did it against Boston, right? He scored a bunch of runners and floaters to keep them out ahead of Boston the other night. And then tonight, he basically delivered the final haymaker the Sixers needed to take that from, what was it, like a five, six-point game going into the fourth quarter? And then Tyrese turns the Jets on and, frankly, turned the defense up with DeAnthony Melton. Mm -hmm. That, honestly, you're talking about his playmaking, and rightfully so. That's what we've been talking about as the big point of emphasis for him. For Tyrese to leave an imprint on the game consistently on the defensive end, to rebound the way he is, like the six rebounds a game and six-plus rebounds from Tyrese at the guard spot, your smallest guy on the floor, when you're getting all of this from a guy that had question marks across the board as the lead guard this year, that just solves all the problems you have and all the mystery about, well, what do they look like without James is now gone. Joel is the alpha dog, but Tyrese is becoming a really capable number two. A lot of times it's a 1A, 1B situation, and they're really good at playing off one another already. Like I there's so much to be excited about with this team right now, and almost all of it flows out of Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, and they ended that third quarter. You know, there was a couple of big threes. One of them from, from Melton. I forget who hit the second one. Uh, Might have been Batum. Then there was a, a Maxey and Bede pick and roll where they got the final basket to really push the lead. And look, there will still be occasional times where he misses a pass. I think he missed Cove on a, a roll to the basket. He was pretty wide open. I think he just couldn't see him. He's too short. Um, but he's growing so much, and I think he's certainly one player where every time you go, I'm not sure he can do that. I might just be done ever saying that because every time I do that, he's like, no, I'm going to come back and be really good at it in like a blink of an eye. And it just, it really like, it just makes everything so we're going to focus so much on the next move. And I mean, if you were in the PHLY diehard discord today, which by the way, become a subscriber you can go to a discord we chat basketball all day and derek and, and i talk as much shit to one another as yeah. we do on the podcast and occasionally, so. occasionally we even talk basketball too we <laughs> spent a good chunk of today talking basketball about who that third star could be uh, not even necessarily third star because we sort of veered away from that and tyrese maxi impacts that in so many ways and for the early returns to be this good and for him to be averaging what's he averaging after this game probably like almost eight assists at this point uh, it's, with like, I'll see what NBA.com like has 1.2 turnovers or something absurd like that. I looked it up coming in because I'm writing a story on it. He, he's averaging like 6.6 assists per turnover in the half court. Usually like an assist to turnover is boosted in transition because you get some easy right. opportunities. His assist to turnover ratio, he just doesn't make mistakes. And in the past, I used to criticize that because, you know, he wasn't taking enough chances. He was wasting basically scoring opportunities by not being willing or being, you know, 
creative enough to make those passes. He's not missing those anymore. It is really incredible to watch a guy grow the way he has grown and become a, a and really learn on the fly at a position he's never played before. It's just like, I feel like the Sixers got bit by so many different weird bugs over the course of Joel Embiid's career. And they finally got one to go their way. And he might, you know, I used to talk about Markel Fultz and I don't mean to bring up like a negative here because we're on a good vibes podcast right now. But I remember looking at Markel Fultz and being like, that was a time where the Sixers could have gone from, you know, an interesting young team to a potential dynasty. And that not turning out hurt them so much. He's turning into what I think a lot of people hoped Markel Fultz could be. And they got him with the 21st pick. Which is crazy because of the expectations that surrounded Markel. Uh, We have a super chat from Ernest Peterson. Thank you very much, Ernest, who says, watching the post-game presser two games in a row, Nick Nurse has admitted to a coaching mistake. (laughs) And that's unfamiliar territory, LOL. I mean, yeah, like it's been super refreshing not only like, I mean, the press conferences are one thing. You and I probably care much more about the pressers than the average person because we're the ones directly dealing with Nick compared to people watching at home. But I think something that was noteworthy tonight was after playing Marcus Morris in the first half and Marcus yes, really and stunk was, it up, yes. but it's like to put it lightly. If Kyle and I, you know, I joke because like we've done some watch longs here, uh, specifically Philly's watch longs for playoff games. And like when Kyle and I or Rich are watching game, like we sit there, we type, we take notes, you know, we rewind, we rewatch. Yeah. Like, there's not a whole lot of emotion because like we we're, we're like really tuned in and working. We are dialed in. We spent a good chunk of time complaining about Marcus Morris in the first half. For sure. <laughs> for sure. So for Nick to come out in the second half and say that guy's getting sent to the phantom zone and we're never going to see him again, that's a great example of the difference between the team this year and the team under Doc's leadership. Now, Doc, we've said many times, often had a good plan A, but Nick has been much more willing to move off of their plan A, which has worked plenty already, and say, okay, I I don't want to do that anymore. I saw enough of it. I'm going to go back to either what has worked in previous games or I'm going to try something different based on this opponent. We're going to move things around. And that's to his tremendous credit. And honestly, while we're talking about Maxi, Derek, because I don't want to get too far off of Tyrese quite yet. I think some of the defensive stuff, I think you're seeing Tyrese benefit from how Nick wants to play, where yeah. some of these steals that he's creating are just simple scheme things and scheme tweaks where Nick wants them to stunt and pinch middle more. And so Tyrese is using his speed to beat guys to spots, get his hand in there. And then, look, if Tyrese is able to create turnovers, he's the fastest guy on the floor in 99% of basketball games, right? And if you cut out that moment... push back on that. You can't have 99% of basketball games because there's only 30 teams. So we'll call it 97. (laughs) You could tell you went to school for <laughs> math-related things. I'm just being a pain in the ass. I know you are. I know you are. But when you can cut out the middleman between, instead of like, okay, Joel gets a rebound and has to outlet it to Tyrese, and it's Tyrese stealing the ball by the elbow or the top of the three-point line, and then he's just out, nobody is staying with him. And if anybody does stay with him, more than likely he's going to have somebody in the trail spot or on the wing that he can hit a shooter <laughs> And create a, a high value shot for them. So, look, I think he needed to get better defensively to be a number two type guy on a contending level team. But he's exceeded my early season expectations for him there by quite a bit. 
Yeah, and I'd have to really sit down and rewatch a little bit because one of my bigger complaints with him last year wasn't even you know getting beat defensively because of his size and his lack of physicality. And I think he's gotten bigger, maybe not where he needs to be, but I think he's gotten bigger. It was a miscommunications, and so many of that were in actions that involved Harden, and you never really knew yeah. which one was miscommunicating. I don't want to say necessarily it was Harden. It's Case possible. closed. It's, it's, it's possible <laughs> Tyrese just got better at it, but you're seeing way less of that this year, way less. Yeah. All right, let's take a uh, our first quick ad break, Derek, and then we'll get right back to the post-game show. Obviously, want to thank our new sponsor starting this week, Pennsylvania Dairy Farmers and Team Chocolate Milk. Professional and college athletes have known about the power of chocolate milk as a refuel and recovery beverage for a long time. And chocolate milk provides high-quality protein for muscle repair, electrolytes for hydration, and calcium for strong bones. I've had, knock on wood, very few broken bones in my life. I attribute that, let's say, 90% to chocolate milk. The other 10% is probably genetics and good fortune, but that's just me guessing. But that's why studies consistently show Chocolate milk is an ideal sports recovery beverage. So whether you're recovering after a workout at the gym, a run around Boathouse Row, or taking a bike ride on the Schuylkill Trail, chocolate milk's an ideal post-workout beverage. And taking care of your body doesn't end when the clock hits zero on your workout routine. So give your body what it needs to properly recover. And what could be better than a scientifically proven recovery beverage made right here in Pennsylvania that also tastes great? Learn more about how chocolate milk can help you refuel and recover after your next workout by visiting teamchocolatemilk.com. It feels weird to have a, a sponsor that was once like Al Horford's big sponsor. Ooh. It's uh, it's the only... We're trying to sell the product here, <laughs> Kyle. What are you doing? It's the only, uh, only drawback, but we love Team Chocolate Milk around here. We do not love Al Horford, who I used to call El Bandito for all the money he stole while he was in Philadelphia. I will say the worst break I ever had was my foot. I was out in London for the um, for when the Sixers played over there in like okay. 2018. Oh, I remember this actually. I'm out there and I'm doing an article. We've got another. Ad You're really selling the ad yeah, now yeah. too. We're doing an article where I'm like meeting a bunch of fans and like basically documenting their lives of watching a team with a six hour difference and be, and how they became a fan, all this stuff. I'm meeting somebody in my hotel lobby and it's like, you know, a f- flat four and then like two small steps down and then flat four floor again. And I'm going out to greet him and like, I'm getting ready to shake his hand. I don't see the two steps and I just like step in between them and just completely broke my foot. And I had to spend a good three or four days out there with a broken foot hobbling around. It was not fun. But see, Derek, all you needed was to drink more chocolate more, milk. And I, that I never needed a happened. lot of chocolate milk for that one. That <laughs> foot was effed up. All right. Uh, one more quick word from wheelhouse. You know, I, as a kid, used to spend a lot of time at, you know, trading card stores. I had one very specific one, card and memorabilia store. I remember going there for a bunch of autographs, met Pete Rose there actually before we realized who Pete Rose was. Anyway, I've always liked cards. The place I used to go to as a kid had absolutely nothing on Wheelhouse. Wheelhouse is our go-to sports card, gift, and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley. Their motto is cards and community because love of sports unites us all. They carry all of our favorite card brands like Topps, Chrome, Baseball, and Mosaic Football, as well as T-shirts, hats, and hoodies from brands like Mitchell & Ness, 47 Brand Junk Food Starter, and Shy Vintage Sports. Looking to grade your sports card collection? Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also host tons of different family-friendly events and birthday parties every month. In fact, they recently had former Sixers minority owner Michael Rubin there. Oh, look at that. 
and also James Harden friend, but we'll, we'll look past that one. <laughs> Stop into either of their stores in Wayne or Westchester. Open seven days a week at 11 a.m. Use code PHLY and get $10 off any purchase of $25 or more in store. Also, be sure to give them a follow on Instagram at Wheelhouse Cards. You know, I want to sort of like loop back because you were talking about Nick a little bit there towards the end. We yeah. didn't want to overshadow the Maxi segment. We could still have another oh, Maxi we'll, we'll segment as far as I'm Maxie. concerned, but... Um, he is certainly a fun one to talk about. Nick has been, uh, obviously, they're 7-1. and one, They're playing his brand of basketball. They're succeeding. But even just the little things, like they came out, they had the Anthony Melton on Cade to start the game. Cade makes a couple of really tough shots. I'm not even really sure that they were Melton's fault. I thought they were pretty well contested, but Melton's a little too short. Yeah, Cade could have hit him with the too small yeah, yeah, if yeah. he really wanted to. Just comes out, Ubre's on him in the second half. Start the third, doesn't get nearly the success. The kind of adjustments that maybe weren't always made in prior years. He is pushing all the right buttons so far. And uh, it's just fun to watch. Like, I they're just, a fun team to watch. I want to. So Kareem in the chat said that the Clippers are asked. Have you seen the score at halftime of Clippers match? I have seen comments from commenters. It is 77 51 Mavs over the Clippers at halftime right now. So if, to. Circle back to your point, Derek, that you were making about the miscommunications on defense with Tyrese and James and trying to puzzle out who might have been at fault. I might have an idea of who was at yeah. fault based on well, how things are going in Los Angeles. Even I think we were both pretty appreciative of the skill set that Harden had. Yes. Not necessarily Harden, the teammate, or things like that, but in terms of like his passing and what he was as a scorer. Not what he currently is, but what he was. He's never been a defender. He's always wanted to take the path of least resistance defensively. Oftentimes that means switching just because it's less work than going through a screen. And because That sounds like a system to me. <laughs> yes. It sounds like he's a system player within that defense if you if I had to guess. Anyway, they're fighting over screens more. There's probably a little less communication. <laughs> Maxi is is ex excelling for sure. For yeah. sure. I will say that and Rick brings up a good point in the chat that Harden did mentor Maxi and Maxi's credited him credited him a yeah. lot for that i do think that if you look at it that way probably overall net positive that james came here and tyrese was able to work on say multiple skill sets at a time while james was here right because yeah. there's the the hardenless minutes where tyrese did captain the bench in a lot of lineups where it's just him and joel and so he built the, that chemistry that you're starting to see the the payoff for that this season then he's able to play off of James. So James is running the show and it's the James Harden system as he likes to refer to it as. And so now, like if we look further down the line, Derek, and they do bring in another, not necessarily a Harden type player, but a higher volume creator or someone he's going to have to share touches with. Tyrese is in such a good place to just be able to toggle between those modes. And I think honestly, the most encouraging part of this start to the season for him is that he's been able to walk that line between, hey, right now I'm the point guard and I got to get Joel going. I got to get this guy's shots. I got to find other people. Yeah. And still finding that closing kick and basically biding your time for two and a half, three quarters. And then it's winning time and he just says, this is my time to play and score and do whatever I need to do to get this team a win. That's maybe the hardest thing that young guards have to learn is managing a game for 48 minutes and picking your spots and not losing sight of, you know, the holistic team approach to things. And so 
I mean, he's showing the maturity of a guy several years down the road yeah. from where he's at right now. And I don't know if, you know, the wheels are going to come off eventually. I'm assuming he's going to go through growing pains of course. at some point. Yeah. There'll be a stretch where he just can't shoot well and isn't making shots and teams will play him differently. They'll wall him off at the rim. Passing lanes are going to shrink. But for the time being, it's like it's borderline impossible to come up with a complaint about this guy. And since he's one of the leaders of the team, it's hard to have complaints about the team in general. And the leaders of the team and a guy that I think we both sort of said might be the most important player on the team just because, you know, him popping could really change the trajectory. It is, I mean, even going back and, and again, the Pistons stink, but against the boss, the Celtics, I thought what was really, really encouraging was that he did struggle there in the first half and found a way to overcome that in the second half and really take over in the fourth quarter. Even if statistically it wasn't a great t- game, he found a way to put his imprint on it. And he has done that legitimately every game every game he has found a way to be an impact player and we're not talking about a two or a three or a four game sample size anymore we're talking about a tenth of the season like legitimately 10 percent of the season and he is if the season ended today and it doesn't he would be in the mvp conversation yeah that's absurd that it's is crazy absurd. they have two guys that could be in the mvp conversation it's, it's, it's wild. All right, let's go to the other MVP candidate here because he had an up-and-down game as well. What did you make of Joel Embiid's game? Well, he came out with all the life of a wet noodle, so that was fun. I, I, Derek comes in uh, slightly after I do. He ends up skipping commercial. This is the smart way to watch yeah, games, honestly. On, on road games, I tend to This come is in not like, oh, Derek was late for the show no. or anything. This is no, Derek is a smarter person planned, than yeah. I am. Derek shows up and it makes for some great conversation though. Cause I'll be like, I'll, I'll like make it like an angry comment or I'll complain about something. I'm like, Oh, you got to this part yeah, of the game. Well, today there was so many annoying things happening in the first quarter that Kyle legitimately had no idea what point I was at. Yeah. So I said to Derek when he came in that I thought Joel had maybe the single worst entry pass I've ever seen in my life. Yes. And normally when you think of a bad entry pass, it's like, Oh, he threw it too high over a guy's head and, Missed it in that way. Joel somehow missed Marcus Morris wide by like six feet. And I don't know how it happened. But the overall approach from Joel early was, I don't like using the word lazy, but mentally he was not locked in. The focus was not there. And what I really liked about his outing, which he certainly bounced back eventually, was that he didn't spend a whole lot of time in that mid-range elbow area, he figured out this Pistons team doesn't have enough big bodies to put in front of me. And this is also to Tyrese's credit. Tyrese found him with enough pocket passes, entry passes, where Joel's getting downhill, and Joel continued going downhill, and he forced those guys to put him at the free throw line over and over and over again. And honestly, like, you say your favorite Joel performances are the like 50, 60 point games, whatever, where he's just otherworldly and he's making shots at that guys, his size shouldn't be able to. This is honestly one of my favorite type of Joel nights offensively where he doesn't worry about their, like, yes, he made some jumpers. Yes. He spent some time from mid range, but the vast majority of his work was just, I'm too fucking big for you to guard me. I'm going to play like Shaq around the yeah. rim. Like, even there was what three minutes left in the game. He misses two shots around the rim 
and continues to pull down offensive rebounds, eventually gets the, I think, like third shot attempt he had to go down, where he's just overwhelming the Pistons around the basket. And so while I don't sympathize with the people who only want him to be like a post-up player, you do see those moments and you're like, why doesn't he do this all the time? He is bigger and stronger than basically every single guy that he plays against. So I liked seeing him go from kind of lethargic, kind of checked out to open the game to just this overwhelming physical presence by the time it was all said and done. Yeah, and he came out and he really struggled offensively. And offensively, the focus just wasn't there. But at the beginning, at the very least, he was pursuing on the glass. He was, I thought, pretty good defensively in that first quarter, even when they were barfing all over themselves on offense. And he thought, all right, he'll eventually get this going. And it felt like maybe some of those struggles got into his head a little bit. He came out in the second half and he was even sloppier. I thought he got beat on a baseline cut off ball, completely fell asleep. And he went, oh, no, maybe this just turns from a struggle into a bad night for Joe. And for him to come out there in the second half and assert himself like he did. And again, the Pistons foul more than any team in the league. I'm sure that's not going to improve after tonight's results. But for him to, like I said, just completely assert his will and and force his way to the free throw line 19 times, uh, really steady the ship. It was not a perfect Joel game by any stretch, which I feel like when he ends up with 33, 16, and 3, uh, (laughs) those numbers probably suggest a great performance for Joel Embiid. That was sort of a down night for most of it. Uh, but he did end up finding a way to, uh, and again, on a night where it felt like his jumper was just off uh, and his ball handling and passing were sloppy, he ended up dominating. Yeah, I mean, look, there are nights where 19 free throws for him would be a lot of rip-through moves and what people would say is right. grifting. I thought there was very little of that tonight. I thought yep. this was just him taking a sledgehammer to the Pistons and if you're talking about translating how he plays to the postseason, fouls like this will get called in right. the playoffs. Right. The stuff that doesn't get called is when Joel's trying to swing his arms through a guy who's reaching in and he's flailing all over the place. There was very little of that tonight. And so if I'm Nick Nurse, I'd be spotlighting this. I was like, hey, if you want to continue scoring 30-plus points a game in the playoffs and being an offensive hub, this is the blueprint. It's not you trying to sell contact at every moment. It's drawing contact by just playing so physically that it cannot be ignored. So I I ended up really liking this Joel performance after watching that first quarter and thinking, oh, Jesus, this is going to be a, a tough yeah. watch for the rest of the night. Well, Kyle, after uh, one night here in Detroit, they come back for three more games at the Wells Fargo Center. Do you have any uh any idea where fans could go to get tickets to those games? You know, it, it's hard to say. There's just there's so many places that you could look, but there's one best one. It's it's the game time app. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. There's another in-season tournament game coming up against, I believe, the Indiana Pacers, if I remember yep. correctly, Derek. They have two against the Pacers, and one of them is definitely the in-season. Yes. Yeah. Tuesday is the in-season tournament game, but certainly Sunday evening, Eagles bye week. You're not... You don't have any sports on the docket on Sunday, so could get down there for two straight Pacers games in the coming days. They're a fun watch, a high-volume offensive team. And if you want to get down there, game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you're going to have. 
So forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event with exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. That is the game time guarantee. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time, download the game time app, create an account and use code PHLY for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply again, Create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So Sixers received three primary players in the James Harden trade. Apologies to KJ Martin, just not in the rotation yet. We already talked about Morris, so maybe we'll, you know, let that one go. His first real action might not see him again based on we how we played. We do have a super chat to hit we, as well, Derek. Okay. We, we it was just flagged by our, our producer. There you go. From, I don't even know how to say that. Is that MBD, MBD bunch of letters? Yes. Shout out to <laughs> M and a bunch of letters with the super chat. Who has thoughts on 6'3 Melton starting with Maxi small with a question mark? It is small. And I think we saw that in the first half uh, because I thought he played reasonable defense on Cade and Cade just rose up and shot over him. But if he's making his threes and an occasional layup, not all of his layups, but maybe if he's shooting about the same on threes as he is on layups, I don't think we'd be complaining about him as much. Like the starting lineup has, especially with uh, the starting lineup with PJ was a huge net positive. I don't really know why it's not like PJ was doing much. The starting lineup. As we have commenters point out that PJ is a minus 20 in six minutes tonight. Yes. Random stuff happens. (laughs) The starting lineup with Ubre is actually a pretty big net negative, which yeah. you never see in the Sixers era. It just doesn't happen with Joel Embiid on the floor. I don't think that is largely because of Ubre's def- or Ubre's um, Melton's defense, but it's not optimal. Like, do I worry about that size when we get in the playoffs? Yeah. In terms of navigating the regular season right now, I would just like from make an occasional shot and a layup, and I think they'll probably be fine. But we'll see what the the the, the team looks like after the deadline. It's certainly not something I'd want to go into a series against Boston with Maxi and Melton on the perimeter. Yeah, and I would say Melton's size is a bit deceptive because he's long. So mm-hmm. for shot contests, he has bigger wingspan than a lot of guys who are the same height as him. But yeah, obviously, ideal world, you have Tyrese as your lead guard. You have a six-six or so off guard. Six, eight wings and forwards, and then Joel manning the middle. Like, if we could build the perfect team just based on physical tools, Daryl Morey would go and shop for those guys and, and put that together. But unfortunately, you, you can't control guys' dimensions. That's a hard thing to, that's why a lot of guys get overdrafted because of tools. That's why Kelly Oubre has gotten a ton of chances, despite the fact that he's been a complete roller coaster during his time in the league. So, yeah. Th- to Derek's point, I think if DeAnthony starts hitting shots, we're not really thinking about this. And and look, I said this after the last game against Boston as well. Defensively, to open the fourth quarter, him and Tyrese essentially flipped that yeah. game from a close game to a bit of a laugher because DeAnthony was active and trapping and disrupting plays. So he might not be a good matchup, isolation, one-on-one guy, but I think we're also increasingly seeing the Sixers aren't going to be a matchup one-on-one isolation defense team. Yeah, It's a team-based, scheme-based effort to contain everybody. No, I agree. I, I think in a perfect world, going back to your question, 
NBDBDBF. Practice that while hey, Kyle was talking. There you go. In a perfect world, he would be a six man. Uh, I think with the the roster that they have, um, unless you end up just starting, you know, Kelly and Batum on the wings, I think Melton probably starts until you make a trade. Uh, and if he makes his shots, then we'll complain about him a lot less because he does have other things he does well. Yeah, so I want to go back to where did you want to start this segment there? Because we did want to oh, acknowledge yeah. the power of the super chat, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just the other two players they picked up, um, you know, Covington and Batum, both got in this game, both played roles. I thought both played pretty well defensively. What did you see from those two? I mean, Cove had what four steals in like thirteen minutes, I believe, yeah. uh, early, at and least early in the game. In, in terms of like steals per thirty-six or steals per minute, I think he's, he's like right there. Yeah, just completely off the charts on that front. And I think I know you and Rich talked about this the other night, Derek. But Cove in this system, where and just in this role, right? When he was here previously under Brett Brown, Cove's a starter, one of your better players, and was the default option to defend like every single good perimeter player on the other team. So there are some nights where that's Kemba Walker at his peak and Kemba's dropping 45 points because Cove is not a shutdown isolation defender. But Cove coming in off the bench and playing a role where he can, as we were talking about earlier, like with Maxie, he can pinch in and stunt and strip ball handlers. He can get deflections and passing lanes and just be more of a, an energy and activity type guy. That's just such a better position for him to be in defensively. I think every time he's gotten on the floor, we're seeing him disrupt plays, disrupt possessions. And so I've been about as encouraged as you could be with Cove. I think if you look at how the Clippers have played since Cove and Batum have left, they clearly are missing the connectivity that guys like that provide. Yeah. Covington on defense, I think Batum probably more on offense with the relocation threes. I thought Batum had a beautiful pass to Tyrese in the fourth quarter on a back cut tonight on a, yeah. I believe that was a design play out yep. of a timeout, I think. And so, the, I mean, two guys that sort of know who they are as players who come into the game, Nick Nurse doesn't have to really even ask them much it's just like go out there and be you and they blended into this system so well because they're being put in a confined role that suits their strengths and you know that just speaks to the job that i think nick nurse is doing uh in control of this team yeah batum had a, a real nice segment towards the end of the half uh, had a uh, like a strip at half court uh then had a deflection on next possession he had the one mistake which kyle and i were like of course, like the smartest player on the team <laughs> fouls a corner three point shooter. Um, but other than that, he played a real good game, just a real, and this phrase probably gets overused at times, just a real good connective piece. Uh, will make his open shots, ended up with three assists in 26 minutes, had the steal, had a couple more deflections, uh, just a player you can put in there at various points, even take some of the tougher defensive matchups at times. Um, maybe not the defender he used to be, but he will, he will hold his own. Uh, and pretty versatile too. Like they used him a decent chunk as a small ball five at points of his career. Uh, he certainly has defended the perimeter in the past. He obviously doesn't move his feet as well as he used to, but a real good all around player who will certainly be in the rotation for the rest of the year might end up starting depending on how things shake out. And I agree with you about Cub. He's averaging two steals in like 16 minutes per game this year. <laughs> That's crazy. He's just getting his hands on everything right now. And in this system, like, is he going to average 
freaking four steals per 36. No, that seems a little bit absurd, but he should be among the league leaders because he still has those quick hands. He still has those, um, you know, the, the instincts he's been. And again, what do you end up with three points tonight? He made one three pointer on three attempts. He played a very good game of basketball and you're right. It helps him just fit into this role, just cause chaos. He's almost like a three point shooting wing version of Paul Reed at this stage, just with a little better decision making, uh, he's 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 been solid for them. Solid. Well, and think back to Cubs' first tenure here as well, where a lot of those guys had to scale up what was expected of them offensively because the team was being run by a lead guard who was scared to shoot the ball. Right. Whereas now they have an actual guard doing actual guard things. And running the offense and scoring himself and hunting his own shot and is able to run a pick and roll because teams will defend it like they would a normal pick and roll basketball player. So, you know, Cub can go like one for three or one for four and Nick Batum might not have a good offensive night, but these guys can still be net positives or even overwhelming positives in some games because they're not going to be asked to go out and create and drive more like yeah maybe cub has to occasionally beat a close out and try to drive to the rim but it's not going to be hey cub's got to go four for nine from three for him to be a valuable role player for this team so having the bookends in tyrese and joel and frankly we haven't even said his name there having tobias harris as your third guy and we haven't 24 points on a hyper efficient night where you can throw in the ball in the mid post you can throw him the ball in transition, running the floor. He's going to hit catch-and-shoot jumpers in the trail spot, maybe in the corner. And to have him scale up in the way that he has and play so well, like I almost feel bad how little I've talked about Tobias in general since the season has started. It's just that Tyrese has been so overwhelmingly good and overwhelmingly good relative to the expectations we set for him. And then Joel's the you know reigning MVP that we've allowed Tobias to get lost in the shuffle a little too much. I yep. think. Agreed. Tobias was really good, and he's been pretty much like maybe Boston was possibly his worst game, but he's been a pretty good every game throughout the course of the season. Like Tyrese, he's found a way to make an imprint pretty much every night. And when your top three players are doing that, you're going to win a lot of games, as you can tell by their seven zero one record. Lucas in the chat saying, "If we were to call Coach of the Year right now, would it be Nick Nurse?" He would almost have to be the only other one you would maybe think of is Finch in Minnesota yeah. just because and they got out to that strong start. De- I've been patting myself on the back for Memphis. Derek is, gets some credit pre-season for, coach of the year pick. for yep. Minnesota being better than I was expecting them to be. They're 5-2 so. and two with the number one ranked defense. I'm not sure the defense will stay that high, but I expect them to be towards the top. Uh, he has ha- has them playing very good basketball and with some impressive wins. Like they beat, I think they're the only, t- only team to beat the Nuggets. Uh, so it would probably be one of those two. Obviously, it's early, um, but it is. Yeah, Nick is a hundred percent, if not the front runner, then right there. Yeah, and I wonder what what is what does Vegas say right now? I'll look that up. That's while you a talk. it's a good question. Uh, there's a lot. There's some trade chatter in, in the comments. I want to make sure everyone's aware. There will be no trading of any consequence until January, and so we do have to and try that's to the enjoy. Very early. That's the yep. very earliest it can happen. But I. I want to make sure everyone is enjoying this. It seems like people are are absolutely thrilled with the team right now. We did get a shout out for from I believe it was Brian. Whoa. Oh no, from MBD 
DBF. Shout out to Jameer Nelson, who yep. did get promoted to GM of the Blue Coats today. I love Jameer is a super nice guy. And uh, I don't interact with him a ton covering the, the team these days. And he's not often around the big club, I'd say, at this point. Mm-hmm. But uh, good guy to root for, obviously, Philadelphia yeah. through and through. So to see Jameer get a well-deserved promotion, feel good for him. Without looking it up. Who do you think is the front runner, according to Vegas, for Coach of the Year? So the reaction you made saying, whoa, makes me believe it's not Nick Nurse. It's not. He is sixth. It's not my Finch guy. Right? It's not my guy, right? Dagano? Is no, it, he's close. He's actually second. Is it Missoula? It is Missoula. Okay. Which It's they, just like pick the coach that's going to win the most games. Yeah, is, I guess what it's saying. not shocking, I guess. But... But you talk to people that that follow the team, that cover the team, they're not convinced of him as a coach, and he's favorite to win coach of the year. Coach of the year is often that way, right? Yeah. There, I mean, Spolstra, has he ever won coach of the year? Has he won it maybe once? Oh, he has to have, right? I don't think he has because I think Miami Heat people are really butthurt over it. I mean, if if that's true, then they they have a, a very valid gripe. Yeah, like that I think incredible. Broadly, he's seen as the best current coach in the league, and has been for like minimum, a couple of years running. Three. Yeah. So to never win it or to not win it, I just I don't think he has because they're they were only good in the regular season when LeBron was there, and he was never seen as the guy who's actually making the difference on that team and. Rightfully so in that example, but anyway. No, he, he his highest, he, he was runner-up twice in 2013, yeah. 2017, third in 2022, and fourth in 2020. Yeah, coach of the year is nonsense is the moral of that story. <sighs> All right, you want to talk sorry. about our good friends at, uh, I'm at, still at FOCO before we... If I, if I were a Miami fan, he'd probably get a FOCO of uh, of, of Spo. He's the so face Miami of the franchise. Heat, Spolstra yeah. overalls. Yeah. You think that would think he'd look good? I in don't know there? if they have them, and I'm sure none of the people listening right now are interested in that. But yeah, that's it. Still blows me away that he's never won. Yeah. I, I, anyway, FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparels, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. With it being football and tailgating season, it means that overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game, FOCO has. And FOCO has hooked PHLY up, provided awesome pieces for our sets. You literally look at the stuff every day. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use a promo code PHLY for 10% off. Quick update on Clippers Mavs. <laughs> Dallas, 115 LA 89 after right. three quarters. Right. So the uh the system having a, a tough time, I would say. And I will say Luca is insane. What are they, actually yeah, what are his numbers right now? He's got 42, 6 and 6 on 16 of 20. Oh, that's just disgusting. He's up to 32, 9 and 9 on the season. Just an incredible offensive player. And one of those guys that I think a lot of people had uncertainty how much that would translate. You watch him overseas. You're not sure this is this big, barely in shape, relatively unathletic guy that you're like, ah, I don't know if this is going to work in the NBA. Boy, um, is it working. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. It was a very hotly debated uh, topic coming into that draft. He's incredible. So do we want to get to any negatives before we're out of here? Well, I mean, we did 
we, we talked about Morris. That's we talked true. about That's Embiid's true. start. Really, just a whole team to start. What are, what other negatives did you have? No, in the I mean, I mostly just wanted to dump on Marcus Morris some more okay. for being terrible. Like we just said, he was terrible. I think you could see why he was out of the rotation in LA, right? Where yeah. defensively, just completely apathetic. And when he wasn't apathetic, his reaction time was so slow that guys were back cutting him, and he's like having to do the lazy, just slap down foul and free free throws. The worst part was he picked up a tech for complaining for one of the calls. It's like one as of my, he was heading off the floor. One of my big gripes is if you are a role player, especially a guy who's yeah, barely can. in the rotation, you cannot pick up techs. I'm I don't care if a coach is gonna argue for one. I don't care if the star player gets one. Every once in a while, like Tobias doesn't really argue calls. If he gets one every so often, okay, whatever. When you are the fringe 10th player in the rotation and really should be like the 12th or 13th guy, more likely, you do not get to pick up technical fouls. That, that is simply not allowed. And if it were up to me, he would have been benched right then and would never see the floor until he could prove he was not going to get another tech. So yeah. that's... That's my piece on that. But yeah. he was just terrible. Look, he's 34. He looks like he's an old 34. Uh, if this were three or four years I'm ago. I'm an old would, 34. So Right, I, but you're not trying to compete at a <laughs> high level on a basketball court. If this were three or four years ago, I think we'd all be pretty excited to have Marcus Morris as a member of the team. He'd probably be like the third or fourth best scorer on the team. It is not three to four years ago. He looks like, uh, just don't expect anything out of him. Yeah. Um, but quite honestly, with how Deep, and I don't know if I've ever said this before in my time, and I haven't, I've been covering this team for a while. I'm pretty hashtag old. I don't know if I've ever been like, eh, they're good on the wings. They're good at forwards. They don't need anyone anymore. It's really weird. Um, you need upgrades, but you don't really need depth, and that has not been the case for a very long time. It's really refreshing that they can turn the game over to other people and take the one star out. Have a one-star lineup. And yeah, it's but like, boy, you take them both out. Ooh, oh, it gets dicey I mean, real then quick. it would get scary. And obviously, if the health becomes a problem at any point, we'll cross that bridge when they get there. But it's just a great feeling to be like, oh, wow. Kelly Oubre and Max here off the floor, and they're bringing in Nick Batum and, you know, Pat Bev. And Pat Bev didn't have a performance of note tonight. But, like, his numbers with Joel have been spectacular. Those lineups have been... I mean, small sample size and all that, but those lineups have been gangbusters so far. So to just be able to hit teams with waves is awesome. They never have really had that luxury. Yeah. I mean, the the closest that I think you and I believe they were to winning a title was probably 2019, sure. right? Where yep. they maybe had six guys. They had an awesome five. They had James Ennis as the sixth guy and... They were just guessing yeah. night to night after that. There are still some lineups where you'll look up and be like, all right, well, there's Melton, Springer, Batum, and Cove along with Embiid. And it's like, I would like one person that can dribble. So they really could use more depth. Um, another creator who can maybe go on and off ball. There's certainly some things that it's going to look painful at times when Maxie's off the floor just because they have nobody other than like you're you're really relying on Bede to bring the ball up at times to get them in their offense to do more than he ever has some nights that will look great others it will not they're not a perfect team by any stretch but I will just sort of go back to what I focused on at the beginning 
if this is who Tyrese Maxey is, all of those questions become so much easier to answer. And uh, it's all signs are incredibly positive at this point. We have another super chat from Ernest. Shout out to our guy, Ernest, Ernest Peterson, in a big way. He says, I blame Kyle for my obsession of wanting Lowry Markinen on this team. And look, the more that I watch this team play, I maybe he doesn't exactly fit the defensive identity as much, although he has been better defensively in the league than certainly I expected coming out. But the more I think about it, the more appeal there is someone like that, that's just a, you cannot leave him alone level shooter. And then you have Joel and Maxi in the middle of the floor and they will just cook everyone. And if you load up to stop that, there's a 40 to 45% three point volume shooter alongside of them. So Ernest, I am sorry, but I am not sorry for bringing that up. Here's a good news, though, Ernest. You can probably stop forgetting about him because I still am just very skeptical that he will be available. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably more likely that Utah, Utah tries to add to Markinen than trade Markinen because, quite frankly, they already have a lot of picks. Uh, he seems like a keeper to me. Unless there's something going on there that I don't know about, I would just be surprised. And again, I'm surprised all the time, so I could be wrong. But I think... Uh, if I were Danny Ainge, that would be my keeper. Yeah, and look, there's no real... He's on a great contract as well. Yep, he's for, got one more year left, so it's not like he's going to walk. Yeah, I, I honestly... I think he, would, he might command more than OG just because of that extra year on the contract. He's actually not even really younger than OG, though. I think they're yeah. pretty much the exact same age. Yeah. OG is still pretty young for, for who and what he is. It feels like he's been around for a long time. Anyway, we will have plenty of time for OG chats. If you have any questions, feel free to drop them. We'll try to highlight a couple here. We might have time for, it looks like we just got uh, another. It's just Lucas saying, bury the idea of, of Lowry on the team. Probably Shout right. out to Lucas, by Probably the way. Right. Derek is really bad at being celebratory of these super chats. We got to like. Pump the people up, man. That's, I did go back and learn how to say the NBDBDBF. Like, oh, like, oh, Lucas, oh, burying the idea. Yeah, Lucas is trying to At bury the idea. At least I said idea. the guy's name, <laughs> asshole. Thank you very much, Lucas. We appreciate it. I think you're it. right, all right? Lucas. Now you're a, getting mad a, at Lucas from no, Super Chat. No, I'm getting chatting. mad at you. It's just coming across the... <laughs> anyway, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, no, I Derek and I agree with you, Lucas. I, I think there's a very remote possibility of... Lowry being on this team. We'll put it that yeah. way. No. Um, how would you like to close this one up? Because I don't want to get into uh, into too much next trade chat when I feel like uh, we've got a couple minutes left. No, I mean, look, it's Friday night. We could probably let people go be with their friends and families, including there us. There is nothing you... better to do than listen to us talk about the Sixers. <laughs> I mean, I love ridiculous. how many people are with us and actively commenting and super chatting and what have you, but... It is getting a little bit tougher. It was a little easier in like the first couple shows to follow along with the chat and make sure that we just pick the couple out. It's getting a little tougher because the chat has gotten very, uh, very active, and which you would expect. Which I love, and There's, it's you guys almost are like siloed off where you're having your own conversations, and I can just make fun of Derek for not properly highlighting super chats and. Listen, man, I'm just trying to show the people love that are showing us love. Again, That's the only I made thing. the extra effort to learn that dude's name. MBDBDBF. Still you, know you it. You do I get still credit do for that one. You couldn't do that. So, you know what? We all make mistakes. Um, no, it, it's, it's, and honestly, these coming games against the Pacers 
are going to be incredibly fascinating. The way that team can get up and down the floor, the way that team also doesn't up play tempo, any defense. fast breaking. But they're playing good basketball. Um, you know, I think the development of our own Tyrese makes the sting of that other Tyrese maybe a little bit less because he is playing fantastic basketball himself. I think it was at like 24 and 11 the last time I checked. I don't know if that's changed here since then. No, 23.6, playing incredible basketball himself. That's a fun team. And I'm still a little bit dubious of whether or not they are, you know, they're a little bit like the Cavs last year, maybe, or a good regular season team. I'm not sure I buy them being a, a postseason threat right now just because they are so bad defensively and they are a one-way team. But that'll be a heck of a lot of fun to watch uh, when you talk about the Sixers and their their desire to turn you over coming in against what is the fastest or at least one of the couple fastest teams in the league in terms of pace. Uh, that will be an exciting game to watch. Exciting two games to watch. And one of my favorite. And we get to see the Sixers in-season tournament court, which, yay. You know what? There's a point where we're going to lead this show off because we don't want to talk about the first quarter. We might have led this show off talking about the in-season tournament courts. Just be happy we didn't have to do that. Thank you, Tyrese. I'm very excited, by the way, for my favorite lopsided matchup in the NBA, Joel Embiid versus Miles Turner. I don't think there's a better player in the league that just has no chance against Joel than Miles Turner. Every game, it's like, and there have been times when Miles Turner has come into this matchup and like talk shit, like, no, he doesn't. I'm not owned. I'm not owned. Like what? I, like that type of thing. And then he picks up three fouls in like eight yeah, minutes, and yeah. it's like, buddy, you are fucked. You have no chance. I was gonna say, there's some play, <laughs> some people that Joel Embiid dominates, and you're like, I get it. Like if your name's Plumley, Joel Embiid's going to dominate you. But Miles Turner's a freaking good player, and he has no chance, no chance at all. You look, look, you watch the Pacers against other teams, and Turner does a lot of. He can rebound. He protects the rim. Yep. He's really, he's like a perfect modern big. He spaces the floor, and then you watch him against Joel Embiid, and it's like, this dude stinks. <laughs> How does he make all this money? And it's like that's, you learn this watching the NBA as much as Derek and I do. It's like there are guys who are very good players that in specific individual matchups it is not representative of who they are and you have to not throw it out entirely but just say look this this guy has got his number he he averages 18 8 and 2 and he's coming in the game as a liability yeah it's really weird it's really but we get to get a reunion with tj tj continues to be a solid role player uh i'm really really looking forward to those two games yeah for sure so is that a good place to stop there? Yeah, for, I think that's uh, probably a, a good one here. Do you want to do you want to go give a shout out to I was all gonna of say, our I'll, I'll do friends my, there in the chat? My quick sign off with everybody. First of all, if you're still here with us, and I love you all for being here on a Friday night, hit that subscribe button, the bell icon to get notifications every time we go live. If you hit the thumbs up button, it also helps us a great deal with the YouTube algorithm. So we always appreciate that. But thank you to Ronald. As always, I got my hoodie on just for Ronald. Thank you to Ernest. Thank you to Blaine. Thank you to Hypothetical Man, Two Minute Warning, R Era, Brian, SB, Frank, MBD, DBF, or BDF. I think I got that wrong. MBDBDF. That's what you're here for, Derek. Thank you to Kane <laughs> and Ramich and Money Mar and Matthew and Khalif. I love you guys for being here with us all the time. You guys make it more fun to do this along with us. Seven straight. They go for eight straight on Sunday, and we will be back with you soon enough. Thank you.